from the Center for European Reform. This is the CER podcast. Posons-nous sérieusement la question de l'avenir que nous voulons et ayons tous ensemble le courage de le construire. Für uns in Deutschland ist das Bekenntnis zum vereinten Europa Teil unserer Staatsräson. A strong united Europe is a necessity for the world because an integrated Europe remains vital to our international order. This is the moment for Europe to lead the way towards a new vitality. And welcome to this new episode of the CR podcast. My name is Christian Ondahl. I'm dialing in from Berlin. And today we want to take a look at Germany. As you all know, Germany will go to the polls in September of this year. Angela Merkel's 16-year-long reign is coming to a close. And that also matters for Europe, of course, because she was the preeminent European leader. And her party, for better or worse, was the pivotal player in many policy fields from the euro to the refugee crisis. And this last weekend, the CDU chose Armin Laschet as Merkel's successor to lead the party. He's thus in the pole position to become the next chancellor. But the coronation of Merkel's successor also revealed that the party remained split between those who support Merkel and Laschet and those who favor a return to the old days of conservative politics, uh, when there was a clearer distinction between the CDU and its opponents on the center-left. And in this podcast, we would like to explore how Germany as a society has changed over the course of the last 10 or 15 years and what that means for the future course of the CDU and of German politics uh, more broadly. To me, as a German in recent years, it often seemed that the foreign press was obsessed with the rise of the AFD, the far-right party that emerged during the euro crisis and, and got a whole lot stronger during the refugee crisis. But the other shifts in society were not covered as much, and at least as their impact on the German political system were concerned. So I'm very excited that we have Laura Krause with us today. She's the director of More in Common Germany, a social research startup uh, that took a fresh look at German society with some very interesting results. And it has had a quite a bit of an impact on how the political Berlin understands German society. So Laura, thanks so much for joining us. Hi, thank you for having me. And with me from the CER is Sophia Besch, our other resident German, and of course, the CER's defense expert who will be able to shed some light on uh, the likely course of CDU foreign and defense policy after Laschet was elected the CDU's leader. Thanks for joining us, Sophia. Hi, thanks for having me. Laura, the European public probably views Germany as a sort of country that is very stable in terms of its society, in terms of its politics, and its society doesn't seem to be very prone to political experiments. Would you agree with that view or are there things that the international observers are missing about German society? I would agree with the notion that uh, German society is probably not very prone for political experiments. But I would say that while Germany does indeed seem calm um, and relatively stable on the surface, that our country has been less uh, stable underneath that surface. And there have been quite some big shifts. Um, for example, the six-party system is largely here to stay um, and, and has been here for the past um couple of years, I would say, and has really made it difficult to sort of um, maneuver in the consensus-style politics that we have here in Germany with coalition governments. Um, we especially see that at the at the state level in the 16 German lender, you know, that it has become really hard to build uh, majorities um, and, and the parties had to get very creative. <laughs> and I think if you've had told us that we would have Jamaica called coalitions with three parties, Uh, in Eastern Germany 10 years ago, um, we would have been kind of surprised by that. So so I think that's a shift and it, it, it gets to something that, that you already mentioned is that the, the AFD did indeed establish itself 
relatively or very quickly, actually, for the German political system at all uh, levels, at the local level, at the state level, at the federal level, and in the European Parliament. And I don't want to overstate that, but I also don't want to understate that, that there is a political player that established itself quickly, for me, uh, shows that there was something in German society that people that didn't feel represented um, maybe anymore by the political parties that we have out there. One of the parties that struggles with sort of bridging the gap but has been relatively successful um, is the CDU. They have been relatively successful in keeping together a broad coalition of voters. Um, Sophia and I recently looked at that in a, in a CR insight and, and saw that the CDU sort of kept the AFD to a level of 10% roughly, while at the same time securing new voters. For example, the female votes, um, a lot more women vote for the for the CDU than men. Uh, people with foreign roots uh, uh, seem to have switched from the left parties to the to the CDU. And through her style and, and, and policies, Angela Merkel has also secured um, the centrist vote. Is, is, that a, is that a fair description um, of how the, how the CDU has repositioned itself? I think that's a, that's a fair description of what we've seen in the past years. But I think it would be ill-advised to assume that that's going to be the path we're going to see going ahead. And I know we will be talking more about that. Um, I think what we, we've been seeing in the CDU in the past year, uh, since Angel Kamkambauer said she would resign, and, and actually even before that, I would say in the past two years, we've seen something that I would say political observers in Berlin are used to from the social democrats. Um, a search for identity, a search for orientation and for sort of the right path ahead. Um, and I think the CDU has managed quite well to maneuver that given difficult, difficult environment. But just the fact that there were three contenders for the party leadership, that's very uncommon. It's, ever since I've been um, observing German politics, I haven't seen that um, on the conservative side. And so that shows that we, we do have different strands there. And the SPD has been struggling with that for 10 years. But I think the CDU is now in a similar terrain. And one of the one of the politicians that seemed to be able to sort of change his mind and get away with it is Markus Söder, the state prime minister of Bavaria. I seem to remember that he steered the CSU, so the CDU sister party in Bavaria, quite far to the right, trying to chase the AfD. Um, and now he seems to be pivoting in the other direction. Is that a sort of strategic change of heart? How do you see that? Yeah, you get to something that I actually think is really important and that um, we actually don't discuss that much in Germany. Um, if we remember the years after the refugee situation in 2015, um, the following three years were really difficult, especially on the conservative side. Um, I mean, the, our current government almost broke apart three months after it was formed over the question of um, how to deal with refugees at the German border. Um, and it was a big conflict between the CDU and its Bavarian sister party, CSU. And in that summer of 2018, um, Bavaria was going to have state elections. And Zuda did, did that turn that you just mentioned. And instead of sort of copying the AFD narrative, he turned against it. And he has been successful with it. Um, and and, and they, they're really successful in Bavaria to keep the AFD at base. So for me, that is one of the most important shifts. Frankly, I've been trying to find out what exactly has caused that shift. Um, um, uh, strategically for, for Marcus Söder and his advisors, and I cannot really answer that question. 
But I think we would be having very different debates in Germany on a lot of these questions if the CSU hadn't changed strategy there. And Markus Söder, um, the head of the CSU, is also still in the running um, for for chancellor, even though Armin Laschet is now in the pole position as the as the head of the head of the CDU. So, if you could decide on who should run for the CDU, and uh, if your aim was to maximize uh, the vote share of the of the CDU, who would you who would you put into that race? Uh, is it Markus Söder because he managed to kind of make this switch and keep the AfD at bay? Well, that's, I cannot really answer that question, but I think because I think it's still an open playing field and, and I think they both have to show that they can do something that I think is actually the most important thing in this election season. And it is, um, in my opinion, to really be able to present a conservative vision of the future, just like the parties on the left need to be able to present a green or social democratic vision of the future. Because... Um, One thing I think that we have to keep in mind is that this is going to be an extraordinary election season in Germany. We've never had the situation that a chancellor is, sit, is stepping down uh, without the successor already sort of taking the, um, over the office during the term, you know. And, um, and we're doing that in a situation in which I personally believe is the first real crisis that a lot of Germans are experiencing themselves. Because as, as you all know, the financial crisis in Germany was not as much felt, for example, for millennials as it was in other European countries or the US. So I think this is for many people the first crisis they're personally experiencing. There's a lot of insecurity around this. And there's, an, there's sort of an, an, a political environment around it that is, itself is looking for orientation. So I think for any CDU chancellor candidate, or frankly, any chancellor candidate, people will look for orientation in this time. And so I think they, they will both have to have to step up to that task. If I can just jump in here really briefly, while I completely agree with Laura that I would hope that the CDU and German conservatives go on a true search for their identity and for the future of conservatism in Germany, in the end, I Judging from their past record, I say that the Conservative Party in Germany values winning elections above all. And that's why they held on to Angela Merkel for so long, even those on the right who disagreed with where she was taking the party in many instances. And I think, as you say, Christian, the CDU hasn't yet decided um, if Laschet will also become their candidate for chancellor, Markus Söder is waiting in the wings. Um, and in polls among voters in general, in Germany, Laschet stands at just 18%. And so I think he will really have to prove himself in the two state elections that are coming up uh, in Rheinland-Pfalz and in Baden-Württemberg, uh, especially in the latter, where it's a narrow race with the Greens. And if he can show his own party that he can win that race, he might be their man. And if he can, then they might go back to the drawing board. Yeah, that's that's a good point, and I think one one of the parties that will also be keenly looking at the state elections is the Social Democratic Party. Um, Laura, you mentioned the Social Democrats um, as a party that also needs to find a way to sort of project an image of of, of the future and, and, and give orientation. Um, I guess one of the puzzling things about the Social Democrats is that they are just polling at sixteen percent, even though. Um, in this time in German politics where um, the election is, is probably going to be as open um, as, as, as none before. 
um, they didn't. They don't seem to make progress. Um, could you could you help our listeners understand that a little? Why do you, why do you think there is a, a sort of a problem of the SPD to project that image and and, and give give voters orientation? Yeah, I think that that um, is a fact that is many folds. And I think one one aspect of something that Sophia just mentioned is that. Um, the conservatives value uh, winning elections and, and they, they embody leadership. Um, and we've seen that in the pandemic, that the moment the, the, the COVID hit Germany, uh, the approval ratings for Merkel went up and, and, and also for the CDU overall. And that's something where the SPD is still standing um, in the shadow. Um, and, and they are still sort of doing the strategy that they, they pass a lot of complicated policies and good projects, and then they want praise for that and they don't receive it. And for me, um, I think this is one of the biggest puzzles of German party politics right now. But I think one one truth for me in all of this is that um, the era of, Mer of Merkel is over and it would have been over with her stepping down or with her not stepping down. That this time of sort of um, incremental change, um, smaller politics steps, um, and sort of more about managing the now instead of um, being an architect of a vision of the future that worked really well in Germany. But I personally think this would have been over now. And we've seen this impatience also in our research already in 2019 that people are getting impatient because they don't see how this country can continue its prosperity and the path it has had in the past years into the future. And I think this is something that the conservatives will start to feel too once she's she stepped down. But it's certainly a pain that the Social Democrats have been feeling for quite a while. And that brings me to the Greens in a way, because um, you mentioned the, the, this impatience and this vision of the future. The, the, the Greens, just before the pandemic struck, were almost on the same level as the CDU, something that I think two years before nobody would have believed if you told them. So is, is the fact that um, climate change has become such a prominent topic, plus the fact that the Greens were able to present that vision, the reason that they were so strong? And do, do you expect them to return to that level? Well, I think um, it's what you said. And I would add one aspect is that the Greens really demonstrate that they're willing to take um, responsibility and that they're willing to govern. Um, when the when the um, coalition talks between the Greens, the Conservatives and the Liberals fell apart in, in late 2017 um, because of the Liberals um, pulling back, I think that has been a huge plus for the Greens because they showed that they're ready, to, that they're ready to be in federal government and that they want to be. And so I think that has given them, especially for sort of conservative swing voters between the Greens and, um, and the CDU, I think that has made them more attractive. And do you expect sort of the uh, end of the pandemic to influence this race? Uh, because it seems to me, at least my hope, uh, that by September 2021, the worst of this pandemic will be behind us and people will be increasingly looking towards the future so that past crisis management will not be rewarded as much as, as it currently is. So do you think the, how, how do you think this sort of new atmosphere of optimism and new beginnings, how, how, how will that affect the election? Well, I do like your optimism <laughs> that, that um, we will have that well behind us by then. I strongly believe that elections do not um, is is not a recognition of what you've done in the past, but whether people trust you with their future. And I think this is true for every election, but it will also be true for this one. 
Sophia, a final look at um, the the leading candidate of the CDU at the moment, Armin Laschet. There's um, a lot of worry, I guess, internationally about um, the CDU choosing a leader um, that has some odd views on foreign policy. Could you help us understand uh, Armin Laschet's foreign policy views, if um, if that's possible, and and explain sort of what you what you expect, how you expect those to evolve if he becomes uh, the leading candidate of the CDU to become chancellor? Yeah, I can certainly try. I mean, Laschet has not made foreign policy an important issue in, in his campaign. And this really wasn't, as we've discussed, a campaign on, on policy views. It was much more about the CDU strategy for the post-Merkel era. There are a couple of things that we do know about him. Um, we know that he's a, a convinced European. Uh, he was in the European Parliament. He's from Aachen, the heart of Europe. He stresses that a lot. He stresses the importance of the Franco-German motor a lot. So that's a possible point of connection with the German Greens, who are also a strongly pro-European party who are looking to work more with uh, Macron's France. So uh, Laschet is certainly in that same vein. He has met Macron several times. Uh, he's also a member of the CDU, the Transatlantic Party, um, and he is in the mainstream of his party here. He's in favor of NATO. He's in favor of greater burden sharing with the U.S. Um, he has invoked the U.S. as sort of a cautionary tale in his campaign speech um, on this last weekend, uh, talking about the polarization there and how he wants to avoid uh, that same thing uh, in the CDU and in his party, which I think is interesting. Um, Röttgen was much more the candidate of the foreign policy establishment, I'd say. Um, he has you know, clear views on China, clear views on Russia. He's been against Huawei, he's been pro-Russia sanctions against Nord Stream 2. And Laschet uh, is much more dovish on both China and Russia. He has defended Russia against what he perceives as anti-Putin sentiment in Europe. And he's even uh, spoken out in favor of working with Putin and Assad against the Islamic State. Um, on China, uh, I think many have stressed the continuity with Merkel here too. He has supported her cause broadly, but I'm not so sure on this point whether there will be a continuity on China under Laschet. I think that China was one of the few real foreign policy focus points uh, of Angela Merkel and her sort of business-oriented geoeconomic view of the country, I'd say, has largely shaped Germany's overall stance. And my impression is that there's a next generation of politicians waiting in the wings with more hawkish views on China, or at least more principled views on China. And if Laschet doesn't make his views a priority, this might just shift the German stance. I think that this finally is the point to make more broadly, which is how much was Merkel's relative caution, or what some have called her disinterest in foreign and security policy, a function of her own views, and how much was it an extension of the broader German mood, certainly the, the conservative mood. And here, I mean, I think if we write in our piece, Christian, the CDU party is a status quo party. They feel largely content, if not complacent, with uh, Germany's place in the world. And I can't really see big new foreign policy ideas, a big new vision coming from the next CDU chancellor, if we do have a CDU chancellor. Um, 
But that means that to end on a more optimistic point, perhaps for German allies who've been frustrated with Germany's reluctance uh, on foreign policy in the past, once the political giant, the stateswoman Merkel is gone, there might be an opening for uh, the next coalition partner to insert some new views, some new ideas into the foreign policy debate in Germany. So that's what we should be looking out for. Thanks. That, that sounds very similar to sort of my thinking of, on, on economic policy. Here again, Laschet is a relatively, uh, you know, standard German economic conservative, uh, but he's not ideological. Um, so there's not much that I think we can expect in terms of uh, change from, from, you know, standards, conservative views. And the coalition partner, again, is what matters here, because those who are in favor of stronger European integration, for example, in, 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 in fiscal policy and so forth, um, they, they should hope that there's a, there's a strong Green Party or a strong Social Democratic Party pushing the CDU in coalition negotiations on that path a little bit forward. But here again, I mean, in truth, Germany's view of Europe is one of preserving the European integration and unity that we have and moving sort of stepwise from there. And the strength of the coalition partner will just mean, you know, this, you know, the steps are going in a slightly different direction, but they will be small in any case. Um, I, I want to end with a bit of speculation, juicy speculation about sort of what is it that we expect this election race to turn into? Um, and, and what the outcome is. So, um, Laura, the election is relatively open, um, but what do you think, um, if, if, I, if I forced you to give us sort of the, uh, your take, what, is, what do you expect the outcome of this election to be? What, what, is, the, what is the coalition that, that, that Europe should expect to govern Germany after September 2021? I love it. Yeah, it's very open. If you force me, I would say that we will see a combination that we haven't seen on the federal level yet, most likely uh, um, conservatives and greens or something very crazy because otherwise we can't form a majority. Uh, Sophia, what is what, what, what do you think? What is the what is the likely outcome? Um, I think that the, the polling landscape in Germany has sort of been skewed by two things. It's been skewed by the pandemic recently and it's been skewed by Merkel. Um, but if we assume that the CDU vote goes back to um, at least pre-pandemic numbers, where Merkel was actually sort of declining a little bit, she was uh, the edging, becoming sort of a, a lame duck chancellor a little bit. So the CDU was polling uh, at below 30, with the Greens at one point mm. even overtaking them. That may have been a low point for the CDU, and the Greens notoriously do better in the polls than they do on election day. But we might end up with numbers that allow for a couple of different options um, that allow for either, as Laura has said, a conservative Green government or a government made up of the Greens, the SPD and the left party, which might mean that in the end, the CDU might not even get the chance, to, in which case we have to record another podcast speculating about the green and SPD uh, candidates for chancellor. That sounds very good. Let's do that. I mean, I am as a typical cheery German optimist would say, well, you know, in September, there will be such a spirit of optimism and new beginnings that the party that is selling sort of the status quo of the last 16 years will uh, struggle to, uh, to attract customers. So I think this, this indeed is a, is a wide open race and, you know, a social democratic green left government, if it's possible, 
um, I think will be formed because the opportunity to kick the CDU out of government uh, is too attractive for the SPD and the Greens. Um, so that would be my prediction. Um, Laura, thanks so much for joining us. That was really insightful. Sophia as well. And this will not be the last podcast on the German election, I think. Um, as Sophia said, there will be, well, will be some uh, to come. And I think we're all, we are uh, definitely looking forward to those. Laura, thanks so much. Sophia, thanks for joining us and uh, goodbye. Thank you. Thank you for listening to the CER podcast. If you have any feedback for us or want to leave suggestions for a future episode, then you can find us on Twitter at CER underscore EU.